Admiral Levine, um, March is Women's History Month, which is why we're all here. And you know, you are a pioneer and have smashed many glass ceilings. What does that mean to you? And what does it mean to have Women's History Month be celebrated in this way? Well, thank you for that question, and thank you for your kind comments. You know, I think Women's History Month is an opportunity for women to support each other. I think that we need to work to empower each other and, and, and uh, to provide um, mentorship and an opportunity for success. So if someone opens the door, like we've been discussing, well, then that door is open for more people to go through in the future. And that's what, what I hope that my appointment um, sort of provides that opportunity, is that um, uh, other women, other uh, women that are part of the LGBTQI plus community have the opportunity uh, to, uh, to follow their dreams and to maybe go beyond what they might have expected. I agree with you 100% is that, you know, you don't always end up where you thought you were. Affected. I'm Joshua Slocum, and this is the show where we talk about politics, culture, and relationships through a psychological lens. We're going to start out this week by taking you back to a story that we first covered last fall in 2022. This has to do with a man named Fred Sargent. I'm going to recap for you. Um, some of you saw this originally, some of you didn't, but I think we could all use a reminder. Fred Sargent was one of the original people, one of the original protesters at the actual Stonewall riots that happened in 1969. Actual, real. Why am I saying this? Because people don't, people don't actually know anymore. Allegedly gay people don't actually know what they mean when they use the word Stonewall. I can see it. I hear what they say. I see them commenting about it. I've, I've seen people in person like, oh, was that in the 80s? Or They don't actually know. They just know it as a brand name. They hear the word Stonewall and they think, well, that's a brand name for queer liberation. No, it's not. It refers to an actual physical bar that existed in the real physical world on Christopher Street in New York City called the Stonewall Inn. In 1969, this was a hangout. Stonewall was owned by, owned or run by the mafia, as many of the gay bars were in those days. And the police would raid the bars and arrest people who were cross-dressing, basically harass the patrons. And finally, one night in 1969, people got fed up. And they started throwing bricks and bottles at the police. Fred was one of the originals there, young gay man at that time. He stayed during three days of riots. Not a so-called woman who didn't exist. There was no trans woman called Marsha P. Johnson. That's not a real person who ever existed. That was a man. It was a man who said, I'm a man. I'm not a, you know, I'm a drag queen. I'm not a trans woman. Well, they didn't have the word trans woman back then. Actual gays and lesbians. And Fred also ran a printing press Yes, children. That's right. You used to actually have to take physical matter to press ink onto paper. They're real. I've seen them with my eyes. <laughs> he ran a printing press and made up a bunch of leaflets to get people involved in this. And the next year, in 1970, 
he co-founded, along with some of the other originals, something called the Christopher Street Gay Liberation March. That is what today you think is called the Pride March. It started as the Christopher Street Gay Liberation March. No word pride in there. Wasn't about that. Last fall, 2022, here in Burlington, um, which, of course, is mini Seattle, the queer community did its Pride Parade, which is a bacchanal of allegedly queer people, which means absolutely nothing, um, looking as ridiculous as, as possible, screaming, doing histrionic displays, and overly sexualizing themselves in front of children and taking delight in it. And being shitty to actual homosexuals, especially anyone over the age of 30. So last fall, Fred Sargent attended. Fred Sargent lives in Vermont now. He attended the Pride Parade and held a protest sign, silent protest. He simply stood there. There's tape, so it's not, you know, I'm not telling you a story. You can see it. He simply stood there. With the sign, I don't remember exactly what his sign said. It was one of uh, a couple of different messages, um, either um, "gay not queer," I think is what he said. Yeah, "gay not queer," and um, you're not allowed anymore to do that. You're not allowed to disagree with these people, even if you actually, literally, are the founder of the very parade that they're in. Um. So some people took it upon themselves to harass Fred, and one woman, I called her Becky, but we believe her name is Erin Leslie. I have not confirmed that. Uh, it's the best we could do on short notice, um, but uh, we're going to make sure that she gets her uh, her picture up here and is well known to all of you. Let's take a look at um, what Erin um, Leslie, maybe, did to Fred Sargent. We can roll that, please, Kevin. So what? I didn't hurt him, huh? So what? I didn't hurt him. <sighs> All right. What you didn't see in this clip, we're going to also take you back. What happened just before this? Uh, by the way, Fred ended up on the ground. She knocked him to the ground after she took his sign. And did you notice all those people standing around just doing nothing except for my friend Christopher Aaron Felker? They're just standing there looking at a woman who appears to be about 45 years old going after a 75-year-old man who stands on a cane and knocking him to the ground. But that's not all she did. Take a look at what uh, take a look at what she did just before that point. She's dumping coffee over his head or showing it to you in slow motion. So, this is assault. And finally, you know what? I'm just, I don't know what to call her. I think it's Erin Leslie, but I can't be sure about that. So, we're going to call her the perp. The perp, um, as you see here, was finally charged 
I don't know how long it took, but I didn't hear anything for a while. This happened all the way back in the fall of 2022. She was charged with simple assault, which is interesting because there are certainly options to charge for aggravated assault. There are circumstances that might warrant that, such as the fact that, I don't know, this was a gay bashing that took place at the Pride Parade. Anyone? Aggravated? No? No? Okay. Sorry. Sorry. We're not worth it. I know we don't write. Um, and it's been kept quiet, and it's taken a while, in my view, because of our prosecutor. We, we call uh, Vermont has to have special names for things. So what you know is a district attorney, we call a state's attorney. Um, Sarah George, here she is. Isn't she cute? Hi. Hi, I'm Sarah. Why am I making fun of her like that? Because this is a prosecutor who, to all intents and purposes, I do believe is working directly against her job. Yes, I mean that. I think, I'm saying that I think this woman literally does not want her job to exist because she will not charge criminals to the full extent of the law. She will not do it. She lets people who have been charged with assault back out on the street immediately. Violent assaults, gun assaults, right back out on the street or with a really low bail so they get right out. Charges get bargained down all the time. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, well, it is an unbelievable, uh, and I do, this is conscious. I, I don't think that Sarah is misguided. I think she knows exactly what she's doing, and I think she's doing this because she does not care. She has not any, not one ounce of moral caring about her actual job, public safety. She does not care about the safety of the public. The only thing she cares about is the perception of the left-leaning voters who put her in office. So if she can make it appear that crime is lower than it is, and it's not low. It has exploded in Burlington. In the past year, we've had six murders downtown. That is an all-time historical record. This is a town of 40,000 people without the college students, okay? That's a lot. Um, she doesn't care about that. She cares about getting elected. I have a really complicated mental relationship with the concept of electing judges and prosecutors. Yes, I know. I know. Those of you who disagree with me will point out the problems of appointing them too. I understand. I still have a problem with it. Well, the perp found herself at a pretrial hearing this past week, and my friend Christopher Aaron Felker, who's been on the show before, he is the chairman of the Burlington Republican Party, gay man, uh, and is roundly hated, absolutely despised by just about everybody in downtown Burlington. Uh, for being a traitor, for being a gay man who just goes out to the queer community. She won't take our abyss and smile about it. <laughs> He's hurting us. They, uh, they really hate him. So Christopher went to the pretrial hearing because Fred, unfortunately, right now is in the hospital with an illness. Christopher wanted somebody to be there. He recounted to me what happened when he was there. So this is a report based on what Christopher's told me. Gets in there. Um, early in the morning, and the perp's pretrial hearing was to start at 9.30, and the entire thing was done at 9.33. Took three minutes. So what happened in three minutes? 
according to Christopher. The perp asked her lawyer what prosecutor, state's attorney DA Sarah George, thought about this because the perp said that she was expecting the charges to be dismissed. She was expecting the charges to be dismissed, she said to her lawyer. I don't think she's wrong in that expectation. But I'd like to know why she was so confident. Wouldn't you? How would a person in her position be expecting that? What signals was she given? Hmm? I think we know, don't we? So then she asks her lawyer what the prosecutor thought, and her lawyer says this. Sarah George didn't seem very interested in what he, that is Fred Sargent, had to say. Our prosecutor is not interested in what the victim of an assault has to say. That's the justice system. Ask for it in your grocer's freezer case. So, in that three minutes, Prosecutor Sarah George and what is called the victim's advocate. This is, an, this is a position uh, in our state government. Everybody who is the victim of a crime gets a victim's advocate. Who does the victim's advocate work for? The state's attorney. Who is the state attorney? State's attorney, Sarah George. So between Sarah George and the victim's advocate, they worked out a plea deal for the perp. Guess what she gets? Ten hours of community service and a monetary fine. I couldn't confirm how much it was, but it won't be very much, obviously. 10 hours of community service and a fine. And when she comes back for the next hearing, if she's completed her community service, the charges will be dismissed. Isn't that great? Efficient, right? Great use of taxpayer dollars. And why? does this matter, aside from the injustice to Fred? Well, because this is how the crime statistics that you are told become corrupted. They are lies. This is how Sarah George and her cronies on the progressive left try to make it appear that crime is a falling problem in Burlington. This isn't going to get recorded. You understand that, right? What happened to Fred? Being hit, being pushed to the ground, having his merchandise stolen out of his hands and ripped, and having hot coffee poured on him, that never that doesn't exist now. It didn't happen in Burlington. It's not in our criminal records. The assault never happened. Like magic. You know, local commentators around here, and they're all almost all progressives, um, these are people who even saw this on video. They sat there and said, oh, that didn't happen. It didn't happen. No, they had him. And if they did it with stage, and you guys set it up, didn't you? You dead, you dead. All over the place. <laughs> Just, wow. Um, and when, I, when I talked to Christopher about this and asked him for his thoughts, he shared a couple with me. Um, and I'll leave those with you as we bring this segment to a close. He said, quote, this plea deal reinforces this lie because they're going to dismiss these charges if she finishes her community service. This is reinforcing their propaganda that crime is down. And he also said, when these activist prosecutors hate and dislike the police, when they support defunding the police, and then they gaslight the public, they lie about the crime rate, none of this is true. 
We in Burlington undercharge and dismiss crimes. They're no longer being calculated. That's what we're talking about. This is how the statistics are lies. Um, we'll see if we can confirm that lady's identity because I want to make sure she gets as much uh, bad publicity as possible, although she'll probably uh, clip a still frame from this and put it on her Facebook page and everybody will tell her slay queen slay. Come back after the break because we're going to talk about one of our newest elected Congress people, Becca Balint. We've mentioned her on the show before and her ties to the Sam Bankman Freed FTX crypto scandal. I swear to God, I know what these things mean, but when I say that gobbledygook coming out of my mouth, I confuse myself. See you on the other side. For a non-woke place to put your money where your mouth is? Put it where my mouth is. Disaffected supporters get access to our private Discord chat server, backstage episode recording sessions, surprise guests, and more. And all it takes is $10 a month. You've got two options. Either Substack, visit us at disaffectedpod.substack.com or go over to subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Remember, choose the $10 level or higher for Discord access. Welcome back. We're going to talk about our new Congresswoman, Becca Balint and Sam Bankman-Fried, the now disgraced billionaire mogul who had a crypto fund that he's in big trouble about now. Stick with us. This is the serious part, but the last couple of episodes have been so heavy, um, both to do and I think probably for you as an audience member, that we're going to end the show by having some fun. So, Stick with me for the serious stuff, and I'll give you a treat at the end. <laughs> Let me recap the situation here. Here's what we're talking about. Becca Balint was just elected as Vermont's newest congresswoman. She's our one of our representatives in the House, the U.S. House. And apparently she ran on an LGBT ticket, and I guess I'm paying attention to nothing because I had no idea until the other day when I was putting this down that she's a lesbian. So uh, apparently that does have something to do with this. Now, Sam Bankman-Fried, of course, is the now disgraced CEO of the company called FTX because things are just initialisms and acronyms now and they don't stand for anything. A crypto fund that is now accused of defrauding investors. We are surprised, Kevin and I are surprised, but actually very pleased to see that Burlington's weekly hard left paper, Seven Days, covered this story. Not only covered it, but covered it well and covered it in depth. Why am I surprised? Because it's absolutely unflattering to their agenda and to politicians that they like. Um, 
and I and I realize I know I'm kind of giving him a backhanded compliment. That's the way it works here. Um, and I know they'd say, well, that's because we're journalists and that's what we're supposed to do. No, this is what you're supposed to do. It's not what you've been doing, though. Um, you know, that <laughs> we're journalists is not how you work most of the time. So if this is a if you're turning over a new leaf seven days, uh, that would be wonderful. But the surprise is genuine because it's based on your past output. So let me but this is a great story. Uh, let me give you the headline. I, this is what really shocked me. Take a look at this on your screen. This is from seven days website feds crypto execs schemed to donate to quote woke shit. So a PAC, Political Action Committee, got $1 million to back Balint. Woke shit. <laughs> now we're cooking with gas. Here's a picture of Becca. Um, who's here to serve? She's just here to serve. We'll let seven days describe the situation. Quote, a super PAC's advertising blitz in support of U.S. Representative Becca Balint during last year's congressional race was part of an illegal scheme by crypto mogul Sam Bankman-Fried to curry political favor, according to a newly unsealed indictment. Continuing from seven days. The indictment alleges that Bankman-Fried, founder of the now bankrupt cryptocurrency exchange FTX, used straw donors to funnel misappropriated customer funds to candidates of both parties in hopes of influencing crypto industry regulations in Congress. Continues. The indictment specifically describes a $1 million plus donation made by an unnamed FTX executive to a pro-LGBTQ super PAC as an example of the broader scheme. Can somebody please get me out of these goddamn initialisms? Oh, and abbreviations, I swear. It's like people don't even talk like humans anymore. That pro-LGBTQ super PAC is called the LGBTQ Victory Fund Federal PAC. Back to seven days. The description in the indictment. Okay, so let me connect these two things again for you. Um, we just said there was a million-dollar donation that was made by an executive of this company, FTX. Million-dollar donation to a pro-LGBTQ super PAC, the Victory Fund. Back to seven days. The description in the indictment mirrors a donation that the LGBTQ Victory Fund, federal PAC, received from FTX head of engineering, Nishad Singh. In July 2022, Singh donated $1.1 million to the fund, which then spent 991000 excuse me, $991,911 on TV, digital, and mailed ads in Vermont that lauded the skills and experience of Balint, who is gay, as seven days previously reported. So the funds go to the LGBTQ super PAC, and then they get spent on candidates they like, such as Becca Balint. But that brings up some questions. I mean, they're the same questions that, that come up with any of these uh, uh, PAC funds. But particularly in the state of Vermont, 
I have a question about what strings might be attached uh, to this sort of thing. What are the expectations of candidates? What do candidates have to agree to or, or signal in public that they support in order to be considered a worthy investment uh, for people like this? Is it things like, do you have to agree to the transing of children? Do you have to agree that men are women and women are men if they say so? Um, what do you have to agree on? Be interesting to find out. Now, I want to be clear here. As of right now, to my knowledge, there are no allegations that Becca Balint or her campaign illegally coordinated with Bankman Freed. There are no such allegations on the table. We're not making those allegations. I have not seen them reported. So let's be clear about that. But to me, it does appear that there's wink, wink, nudge, nudge going on. Back to the Seven Days article. Quote, a political consultant working for Bankman Freed asked one of the FTX executives to send funds to the LGBTQ PAC, super PAC, explaining that his role would entail, quote, giving to a lot of woke shit for transactional purposes end quote, the indictment states. There it is. Woke shit. Let's give to a lot of woke shit. At least they got that right for transactional purposes. Gay people, actual gay people. I'm not talking to furries. I'm not talking to queers and I'm not talking to straight Beckys. Um, gay people. You are being used all of us who are foolish enough to think these people are our friends or part of our community are being used. We homosexuals today in 2023 have been completely co-opted. It's done. It's over. They took our alleged community. It's gone. Doesn't exist anymore. We have been completely co-opted to serve as a sacred caste that no one can criticize for transactional reasons. Is it any wonder that con men and fraudsters are sniffing around under our tents and, and, and going after political candidates like this? No, it's not any wonder. This hasn't dimmed the popularity, though, of the LGBTQ Victory Fund among the woke and queer Vermont politicians, apparently. Uh, seven Days followed this up with an even better and more extensive story. Actually, good job. Not a backhanded compliment. I, I give this to you. This was a good job. I'm going to read some to you. It's not going to appear on your screen. A who's who of Vermont politicians sipped Citizen Cider. That's a local brand. It's local. Citizen Cider and traded small talk in a crowded Montpelier Hotel conference room last Thursday near a poster that bore the name of the event's host, the LGBTQ Victory Institute. The mood was jubilant as 110 plus attendees attended, excuse me, celebrated November's election results. A record 14 openly gay or transgender state legislators and two statewide officials won seats, most notably U.S. Representative Becca Bailent, who notched a historic congressional victory. Why is it historic? <laughs> going to ding seven days a little bit here because they really like Becca and they really want to make sure she knows they like her. She was the first gay woman openly to represent the state of Vermont and smash the glass ceiling. 
<laughs> Back to the article. Balin didn't attend this gala, this recent gala, but newly elected Vermont treasurer Mike Pichak, who is gay, earned big laughs from the crowd during his speech. He began by reading a congratulatory statement, congratulatory statement by the governor, blah, 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 blah. Emceeing the evening was Marty Rouse, vice president of outreach and engagement for the Victory Institute's political action committee, the LGBTQ Victory Fund. The two branches of the organization work closely together, Rouse said, quote, to help lift up out LGBT leaders across the country. The Victory Institute, a nonprofit, holds training and conferences, Rouse explained to the crowd. The fund helps candidates get elected, but left unsaid. Earlier in the day, the Washington, D.C. Victory Fund's Super PAC featured prominently in new information made public about campaign finance scandals involving Sam Bankman-Fried, the disgraced founder of the cryptocurrency exchange. An indictment filed in a fraud case against Bankman-Fried detailed how he allegedly stole investor funds and funded millions to congressional candidates during the midterms as part of a scheme to buy influence for the cryptocurrency industry. Quote, the Victory Fund was in no mood to discuss any of that at last week's celebration. Quote, I can't talk to you, Rouse said when a reporter introduced himself. Sorry, I can't. So, <laughs> as I'm reading this, I'm wondering, because uh, Becca Balint did meet with some people involved with this, although, there, again, there's no allegations of illegal coordination. Uh, but it, it, you may find it interesting, uh, the topic that brought her to the table with some of them. Um, <laughs> from from the Seven Days article, one more quote here. It's not clear why they took a particular interest in Vermont's Democratic House primary, which involved first-time candidates who are unlikely to wield power in Congress anytime soon. But guarding against pandemics, Gap, met with the three top Democratic candidates. Gap. I'm adding the gap part, but it, it, they have a committee called Guarding Against Pandemics. Down with pandemics. We're against disease, aren't you? No, it is seven days. It is perfectly clear why they're interested in these Vermont politicians. They know Vermont is full of narcissistic and or gullible leftists who are just very easy pickings. They're sowing the seeds for their future exercise of power in Congress. It's there isn't any mystery. And I don't think you two reporters who wrote this story think there's a mystery either. So don't let's be so coy. Now, Becca Balin's own website adopted the verbatim wording about dealing with pandemics that this fund suggested. And interestingly, also, this uh, the race for Becca Balin's seat was was between three women, Becca Balin, um, then Lieutenant Governor Molly Gray and Keisha Ramsdale. Um, Becca Balin ended up winning. Um, but when Lieutenant Governor Molly Gray, she was Lieutenant Governor when she was running, when she was running against Balin, um, she criticized outside political action committee spending in Vermont. And Becca Balin would not join her when challenged. She would not join her in that condemnation. Instead, one of Becca Balin's spokeswomen, Natalie Silver, tried to paint uh, Lieutenant Governor Molly Gray as anti-gay. <laughs> she said, quote, 
or from the story. When the Gray campaign criticized the surge of outside spending, Balint did not stand alongside her to denounce it. Uh, spokeswoman Natalie Silver told Vermont Digger that Gray's criticism was, quote, very close to saying, you know, we don't want a gay agenda. Was it? Was it really close to that, Natalie? No, it wasn't. You pulled that out of your backside. So cheap. So back here to um, close up from this article. The indictment against Sam Bankman-Fried makes clear that the dollars leveraged by the Victory Fund did not originate from the LGBTQ community or its genuine allies. Those are the words of seven days. Listen, boys, pay attention here for a second. These are the genuine allies. I want you to hear that in a Ricardo Montalban accent as he's saying, this is SETI Alpha 5, because this is... These are your genuine allies. There is no one in and around LGBTQ today who is in any way genuine or friendly, if you hadn't noticed. This is all transactional. This, this identity, LGBTQ, isn't even real. It's just a social commodity. What would a genuine ally look like? Who do you think the genuine allies are? Oh, and do you know that the guy who donated this money is gay? So it didn't come from the LGBTQ community, huh? Huh? <laughs> I know, it's sort of like how I'm not gay now because I'm a, what is it, a, a conservative right-wing, um, extreme far-right media personality, I think was the most recent thing I was called. Uh, and so I've lost my gay card. Um, I don't get any of the listen to the homosexual because he's part of the community points anymore. So I guess you guys have done that, too. Uh, but what would a genuine ally be? Would it be somebody who came out in favor of the Vermont Child Abduction and Mutilation Act, otherwise known as Senate Bill 37? Uh, would that make them genuine allies? Um, you know, really, guys, it's very simple. Lie down with dogs and wake up covered in dog shit. And that's where you are right now. You all have made your own filthy beds and you may wallow in them. All right. I'm going to tease you a little bit about the fun we're going to have when we come back in the potpourri of mockery. Um, I, I'm tired from the past few weeks. I'm tired and stressed out because a lot of stuff is going on here. And I, I figured you guys might want to laugh a little more too. So I asked the members of our Discord chat, these are people who support the show. They're members of the show. They're subscribers. They have access to our Discord chat, which is just chat rooms. If, if you've never heard of Discord, just remember the days of IRC or AOL chat rooms or anything like that. That's all it is, except it's got more capabilities and you can upload videos. Uh, so I asked the members to clip videos and memes of people that they wanted mocked. Um, so we're going to do a viewer choice segment. I'm going to give you one before we go to the break. Um, but if you want in, if you want to get in on this kind of fun, it doesn't take very much. All we ask is a contribution of $10 a month or higher, and you get access to our Discord, and you get the other benefits as well, uh, which is that you're going to get all of our private member-only content uh, that comes out on Substack. I'm, I'm doing a lot more writing these days, uh, and I save the really good stuff for people who pay for it. Um, you're going to get our invitations to our monthly Zoom hangouts, um, and we're going to be doing some more movie nights, uh, maybe even 
more frequently than once a month too. So if you are interested in this, we would love to have you as a supporter. You would help us and I think we'll give you some entertainment. Um, $10 a month or higher, you can go to disaffectedpod.substack.com or you can go to subscribestar.com slash disaffected. So this one, Miss, um, Miss Mountain Morticia asked me to quote, roast this bimbo. So Kevin, let's put bimbo up. I think like the biggest thing that like annoys me in like the whole dating world is like fucking talking stages. Like that shit's so annoying. Like the whole like and just like the inconsistency in them. Like I literally like hate that like so much. But I think that's like my biggest thing. It's just like what what specifically? Just like the fact of just like you like I don't know how to word this. Like in like talking stages and it's just like you're like labeled that and it's like people like are considered like you can't like you're just like confused and like most of the time like the girl get like, gets like attached or something and they like see it like it's going to lead to a relationship and it's always not and it's just like that's like my biggest thing is like i just hate the whole like how like talking stages are so like normalized like traditional dating does not exist in this generation <laughs> i don't know how to word this <laughs> girl you don't know how to word anything <laughs> you are vapid and you are ignorant you're a product of the american public school system it's not your fault but you are an embarrassment you are i can see that you are chronologically an adult Ooh, honey the talking stages what the hell are the talking stages that she doesn't like do you mean normal conversation or courtship? Oh, you don't know what courtship is, do you? No. <laughs> so she says, the girl gets attached and they like see it like it's going to lead to like a relationship and it's always not. I hate how talking stages are like so normalized. Like traditional dating doesn't exist in this generation. Oh my god, the talking, the talking stages are being normalized. No, no, no! You dummy! <laughs> the talk, what you call the talking stages is what every human has done throughout history until your stupid fucking generation came along and ruined everything when you started talking out loud as adults about five years ago. This was the normal world before about 10 years ago you superannuated prostitute. See you after the break. Looking for a non-woke place to put your money where your mouth is? Put it where my mouth is. Disaffected supporters get access to our private Discord chat server, backstage episode recording sessions, surprise guests, and more. And all it takes is $10 a month. You've got two options. Either Substack, visit us at disaffectedpod.substack.com, or go over to subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Remember, choose the $10 level or higher for Discord access.
Welcome back, and welcome to Viewer's Choice Potpourri of Muckery. Does that sound French enough? Not really. Um, <laughs> this one is also from Miss Mountain Morticia, who has provided my secretary, Shelby, with such great content this week. I'm going to have to send her a gift basket, maybe with them. Uh, arrangements of edible fruit, you know, a whole bunch of gay men on sticks. <laughs> uh, roll it, please, Kevin. If I find a girl that I want to make my wife and I find her super attractive. Make your wife. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because that's what I would do. I would make her my wife. I would ask her to marry me and then make her my wife. You say you are a feminist. You're 100 percent. That is feminist. You look. You like, you heard me about, say that. Oh, you I heard. Make her my wife. Like. Yeah, because that's what I would matter. do. It's I, like, I, I'm an equal human woman. Well, to, you you, you, you say that. To make her your wife. Obviously, she would want to be she my wife. She has her own life. She wants to be your wife too. Yeah, of course, but she's she not going to go she's, to the club. She wants to do her makeup. No, she's not going to want to go to clubs. She's not yeah, going to want to go to clubs. No, because here's the thing: that's a non-negotiable for me in marriage. Okay, well if then, I, if good I find if I find luck. a woman, if there's plenty of women out good there luck. that don't want to go to clubs all the time. Okay, well, there's plenty of women out there that don't want to go to clubs girl. in tiny little dresses and get hit on by guys all the time. <laughs> <laughs> make her your wife. Uh, she wants to go to clothes and turn makeup. <laughs> well, good fucking luck. <laughs> All right, listen up, hussy. Men are going to treat you like the trollop. Like my wife. Like okay. You have no self-respect, and they're not going to respect you. I, I, it, it's just, I, I swear to God, this attitude that young women like this have, that they can have it all. They can be a princess. They can be a girl boss. They can be a whore. They can be a mommy. They can be all that. You can't be all these. Th well, you can be all these things, but you can't be all of them at the same time in any sensible world. You can't have it all. You can't be both the virgin and the whore. And the, the absolute astonishment, these women events, when men won't take their shit. This is what I meant a few weeks ago when I said something that pissed off quite a few viewers, when I said women need to learn how to hear no and shut up. And I stand by that. This is, you, this kind of behavior, I mean, she can say whatever she wants, but look, you can see she's indignant. She is shocked that this man, how dare this man say those things to me, a woman with breastuses. <laughs> right? Who do you think you are, princess? You're just a chippy like everybody else who's on this show. <laughs> Unbelievable. You know, and you are, young women like this girl, you are going to hit the wall. The wall is real. You're going to hit that wall in your early 30s. And you're going to figure out real quick that you've been replaced by other vapid 25-year-old chicks, and now you've got nothing but your attitude. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. And don't get testy with me, please, women viewers. You know, 
I acted like like a snotty little tramp myself um, when I was younger because gay men can do this game just as well, maybe even better. I mean, frankly, gay men are in many ways worse than the worst of these kind of women. I mean, we are far more promiscuous. <laughs> um, but anyway, let's move on to the next one. This this one is a contribution from Mr. X. And if you want to find out who Mr. X is, you've got to join. So here we go. This is from the Daily Mail or Mail Online. I'm sorry, Brits. I have to remember, Mail Online is different from the Daily Mail and only comes out on Sundays and has different editorial staff. And that's like super obvious and stuff. So headline, Fury as trans athlete wins women's 1,500 meter event in Canada a year after breaking records for the 5,000 meter race for ages 45 to 49. And we got our little bullet points because the Daily Mail or the Mail Online pre-digests everything for us. Tiffany Newell, 50, placed first in the W50-1500M. I guess that's, I don't know what the hell that means, which is open to women aged 50 to 54 at the Canadian Masters Indoor Championships. While only one other person in that age group competed, Newell has repeatedly placed first in women's events since transitioning in 2017. We're going to see the outcome of that transition. The victory comes amid fierce debate globally about whether trans women should be allowed to compete against biological females in sports. Let's take a look at Miss Tiffany Newell. Here she is. What is going on in this picture? <laughs> we got we got this one on the left, the troon on the left, who I swear to God, I thought that was J.P. Sears for a second, that uh, that redheaded, really buff guy who is this really funny comedian. I should actually say that to him. I'd be like, hey, bro, this you. But this chick to the right of him, what is going on with her? She's like, ah, I'm super happy, and I'm also sucking my stomach in. I mean, it looks like she's got an invisible girdle on. Maybe it's Wonder Woman's girdle that came with the invisible jet. Oh, my God. Ah! <laughs> Next up, we have from Miss Cat, who said, do this ridiculous thread. So we are going to do this ridiculous thread. This is from Twitter. <laughs> you know what? Actually, I want to say something about Twitter before I get to that. Um, I don't I don't think I talked about this on the show, but a couple of weeks ago, my personal Twitter account was magically unbanned from Twitter. And it was a big surprise to me and and a bit of a vexation because I had to do the right thing and admit to Kevin that I was wrong and he was right. And you know how painful that is for me. <laughs> because he kept saying, um, oh, it's going to come back. It's going to come back. And I'm like, no, it's not. No, it's not. Everything's going to be terrible forever. And then it came back. So I'd be like, you were right. <laughs> but uh, as, as much as it irritated me, it, it actually made me furious. Uh, to, I, was, I was blocked and I was banned and suspended on Twitter over and over and over and over again. Um for inciting violence or harassing protected categories, none of which I do. I mean, you could, if you haven't seen my tweets, they sound like this show. They're not nice. I'm not nice. Nice is not my bag. That's not what I do. But they weren't threatening. They weren't violent. 
they were salty and rude. Um, but so I get the I get the Twitter account back, and I give in to temptation, and I start tweeting again. I spent about seven hours screwing around on Twitter in between other activities that day. And by the time I got to the end of the day, I had relearned my lesson. I was furious. Um, I was completely distracted. Things come at you on Twitter a mile a minute. You've got people talking about famine, war, uh, showing videos of people being murdered, children being raped and sexually exploited. Then you got other people who are uh, looking at things you say and wanting you to cite everything and dunning you for your time and this, that, and the other thing. It's distracting and deranging. And it's, to me, and I'm not the only person like this. There are other people out there like me. Uh, this proved to me conclusively, I have to tweet, I have to tweet, I have to tweet Twitter. I have to treat Twitter the way I treat alcohol, that is, Never, not once, not a single drop. Twitter is alcohol to me. That's why when I quit drinking, I don't have, I, I'm not a drop. I can't have a drop of Twitter either. It is clearly, it fits directly into my worst character traits and my most addictive behaviors. So um, I'm actually really glad about this I because it only took me a day and then I deleted the account and I have not been tempted a single time to go back. I read it for content and things like that, but I, I cannot participate as a personality on Twitter. It's just not for me. Uh, anyway, thank you for indulging me about that. Um, if you find Twitter vexatious too, you're not the only one. So Miss Cat says, let's do this thread. Let's do this thread. This is from somebody who calls themselves Turn, T-E-R-N. <laughs> I went for an outdoor pub meal with a friend's family on Thursday. Both our families have clinically vulnerable members, so we were wrapped up warm and well-spaced in a windy part of the beer garden. They had their mother-in-law with them, and she went into the pub to get drinks. How do I know that this person speaks like that? Because I do, and you know I'm right. Next tweet. She masked up to go in with a decent FFP2 mask, made a show to the family of crimping the nose bit properly. She went in and realized that she wouldn't be able to carry all the drinks back out on her own. So I popped on my own FFP3 and followed in. What FFP two FFP three? What is this? Is there are there fandoms for masks now? You mean what mask house are you from? I'm from Maskendor. <laughs> <laughs> Back to turn. When I got in, she had taken off her mask and was saying to a friend she had met, "Don't tell my son outside." She didn't notice me standing beside her, waited until she first had the tray of drinks, put her mask back on, and went outside. I mean, none of this makes any sense. But here's the kicker. Here's the last tweet in the thread. There aren't many people you can genuinely rely on to do what they've said they will do, let alone what they are supposed to do. 
That's it, what they're supposed to do. I heard that out of the mouths of colleagues so many times at my last job during the pandemic, you know, um, worried, you know, upset about how, you know, all these lockdowns kept happening and people couldn't go anywhere because people weren't doing what they were supposed to do. They weren't wearing their mask like they were supposed to. They weren't getting their vaccines like they were supposed to. Yeah, supposed to. Fully grown adults talking this way. Some of them elderly. Huh. Amazing. What the hell is clinically, I have clinically vulnerable family members. What is that? Clinically vulnerable. Is it like clinically tested? What they're supposed to do. This is about control. This is only, only about control. 100% and 0% about health, your health, their health, or the health of anyone around them. It has zero to do with that. They do not care about that whatsoever, no matter what they say. It's not about love or caring. There is 0% love or care behind any of this when we're talking about people like this. Their only feelings toward their families are a desire to control them. Moving on to the next one in our pick-a-mix is from Miss Brentley, who said, somebody got misgendered. So let's listen to a person get misgendered. Maybe they're born with it. Maybe it's cluster B. <laughs> Next up, we have a contribution from Miss Peggy from somebody. This is the person we're going to watch is somebody called Issa Ray. I don't know who she is. I don't know what she does, and I don't care. Let's go. And last but not least, who are you rooting for tonight? I'm rooting for um, everybody black. <laughs> I am. Betting on black tonight. Five years ago here at the Emmys, you told us that you were rooting for everybody black. Tonight, Issa Rae, who are you rooting for? Everybody black. Nothing has changed. <laughs> it will never change. <laughs> Jesus. You know, Peggy's comment about this, she's absolutely right. Can you imagine what would happen if a white person dared to say anything close to that? Dared. Unbelievable. White racism is socially approved of now. Absolutely. It's a progressive value. Racism against white people. This one, <laughs> this is a good one. This one is from Miss Meeve Starton, and I will leave you to work that out. Um, roll it, please. My name is Talia Fire, the one and only, aka Hood Barbie. Power keep going out because homeless people keep coming over here, cutting some whatever they're doing over here to get the copper to make their money. And my thing is, people got kids over here. People got stuff to do. I, I'm on camera looking a mess. I didn't get to do my hair, my makeup, nothing. Y'all charging over a thousand dollars for a studio. And y'all can't even keep homeless people from stealing y'all damn copper. Make it make sense, boo. I was, I was trying to get my nails on for you, okay? I was trying to tape this on and be like, ah, oh, <laughs> 
this this is okay if you haven't seen this this is drag queen or tranny day off what you're looking at there wig pulled back in a ponytail no makeup to cover up them facial tattoos and those tweezed eyebrows but nothing else on also seems like her diet pill may be wearing off um <laughs> in response to this another discord member our own Catullus had this to say Marsha P scissor hands <laughs> she reminds me of a story of um of a I already said it you can take that graphic down Kevin because I already said the punchline in it we don't need to have that come up next my friend George, he's been on the show before, tells me this story a while ago about this bus driver in the city he was working in, this woman who had those really long acrylic talons, you know, the claw nails like like this drag queen just had on. She was a bus driver. And you think, well, how are you going to do that? Well, George showed me. This is how you drive a bus with those nails on. You got to get the face right, too. Got to turn real wide, honey. <laughs> what else do we have in here? Okay, a few more. Um, this one is from Mr. Lachlan, and he put up this um, this picture of what uh, what appears to be the classic um, um, American Plains Indian with the feather headdress and all this stuff, uh, looking. Um, nobly and indigenously off into the distance with the legend on it, a warrior is called to protect. <laughs> Do you remember this ad from the 1970s? The, uh, can you flip the graphic, please? Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, you remember this guy? The crying Indian? <laughs> Get involved now. Pollution hurts all of us. That's all I could think of. That one single tear. <laughs> Do you know what exercises people the most about that ad today? The guy who, who plays the Indian. That that guy is um, uh, an actor named Iron, Iron Eyes Cody. And he wasn't even Indian. He was Italian. About, why? <laughs> That's what they get upset about. Um, I think we are going to move. You know what? We're going to move on, Kevin. We're not even going to do that trailer because uh, we don't have time for that. Um, so I'm just going to leave you with one final one that shows that there are still some people in the world who are self-aware and have a sense of humor about it. So we are going to go to uh, clip B16, please. Y'all, I am washed my hair in a few days. It's greasy as hell. I look like a lunch lady who doubles as your bus driver, Bertha. I know you boys like them sloppy. <laughs> I love that chick. All right, that's this week's fun. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next week.